0: Hello you blistering blunderbusses. It's your lovely, delightful host of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese here, Chappie. Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese episode 139. And I think I've got the podcasting yips today. I cannot start this show. I need probably a new set of teeth. I uh, I, I would never be able to do a tongue twister today. I just can't get my words out. You have to stop and start the show so many times. You know what, maybe, maybe, okay, maybe I need, maybe I need a cup of tea. And the tea is positioned on the en noir over there. So I need to like, let's hope these headphones have enough given them for me to get a cup of tea. Because I don't think I'll be able to continue the podcast without, oh, here we go, without some PG Tips gold. Okay. Ah, oh, Okay. The, the the elixir of eternal youth, ladies and gentlemen. Mmm. Oh. Okay. It immediately hits the accuracy and creative part of my brain. The tea, I feel, has made a real difference. Something I've discovered, though, is I have the filthiest microphone in show business. Well, if you call this... Uh, sitting in an old decrepit dungeon (laughs) show business but it's absolutely i mean there's all sorts on here there's there's tea stains there's spittle there's probably a steak and kidney pie on here and also um lots of like baked beans i can't ever remember eating baked beans on toast but i'm gonna have to give this bloody thing a polish i mean it is absolutely absolutely filthy oh there's dirt on there, dirt. Alright, let's just give. Yeah, I'm just gonna try to. Yeah, yeah, just try to give this a, a little, bit of, little bit of spickle. A little bit of spit and polish here. I mean, it looks, almost looks brand new now, really. I should have done this months ago. It's awful, though. You have to give yourself a good polish in the morning, don't you? It starts you off in the bright sort of way. <laughs> so, yes. This is where we are, our little Friday sojourn into the world of British expatriate nonsense that we have on this uh, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese show. Uh, We have wondrous uh, little games and dalliances uh, through the course of the shows. I mean, we had rubbish poker last week. I stuck my finger into a rotten onion and we had... uh, uh, salmonella onion, Russian roulette a few weeks ago. These are the sort of things that we have, um, on the show. And I tell you, I have been like tired all week. I don't know if it's a booster or if it's, I don't know if it, maybe it's my vigorous exercise regime where I see myself as probably a budding triathlete. Now, uh, my, uh, three sports, I mean, I know it's swimming, Uh, running and biking so my three sports are this a gentle leisurely stroll uh, and then sort of vigorous whisking of some uh, you know some meal that I might prepare during the week and then unwrapping of lint balls that you know and maybe squeezing out a teabag you know I don't know what a, a four sport triathlon would be but squeezing out a teabag that takes a little bit of strength there Along with unwrapping a lint ball that you know might be a little bit melty, might be stuck on there, a leisurely stroll, and then whisking. Now whisking really—it's all in the wrist, but you can build up your forearms from doing it. So I see myself as a as a triathlete or a quattro athlete or whatever you would like to call it. Uh, you know, a fine physical specimen of a gym lad. <laughs> Anyway, so I hope you're having a lovely week. Now, for many of you who are not prepared at all for the holidays that are coming, uh, in America, Thanksgiving next week, and then obviously Christmas, it's actually five weeks tomorrow. Five weeks Saturday is Christmas Day. Have you done anything yet? Yes. No, I have not either. And it's it's turning into a little bit of an issue. I mean, I have suddenly started stressing about... What I should think of buying presents for people. I mean presents for people. And how about all these home chefs who have already frozen the gravy. They've frozen the vegetables. They've frozen the parboiled potatoes ready to go. This is what people have done already. They're, they're, they're halfway done for Christmas or Thanksgiving. I mean this is a hell of an effort. Now... Am I leaving it last minute here to get a turkey? because I think it's supply and demand issues with turkeys at the moment. and I'm a little bit concerned that I may not be able to get myself a turkey. And you know in my mind that's okay. I mean I'd replace it with a duck or a pheasant, but you know, I don't know if uh, I don't know if I could introduce a uh, you know, slightly wild game bird to the Thanksgiving table here in America I mean it's possible I have being the founder of the Yorkshire Pudding Society of America introduced the Yorkshire pudding but I tell you since I started this little highly esteemed and celebrated club last year I'm beginning to hear that some of the members have been abusing the use of the Yorkshire puddings and um, I think we need to go into this we need to uh, ostracize these sorts of individuals who are ruining the aspects of the Yorkshire pudding. It really is a, is a savoury dish that's used to mop up gravy. But I think, you know, those creative types out there, those rascals out there, have decided to introduce other elements to the whole Yorkshire pudding scenario. And yes, we will out them today, people. I really do have a lovely, highly polished microphone now. I can almost see my face in it. And I'm thinking bags under the eyes and some sort of male makeup uh, is, is what's required here. I mean, it's, it's so lucky. I know everybody's so sort of interested in Ofe with um, when you're doing a podcast, filming it, putting it on video. This is like one of the last bastions of being able to wear your pajamas to work sort of situation. Not that I would. I mean, I've got a you know, morning suit on, white tie, and uh, very, very, very polished shoes. And I have those little suspender things. No, not the not the suspenders Freddie Mercury wore, not, not those types of things. But they're holding the socks up because you don't want your sock rolling down during the middle of a podcast. It can be incredibly off-putting, darlings. Uh, but uh, I, I feel much, I feel much better about having a clean microphone. So some of the things that we may or may not be talking about today, I'm introducing you to a new edible type of underwear. Yes, I think we need to think about this. It could be a Christmas gift. It could be something that maybe I should start uh, putting together a business plan for. I think. Uh, also, uh, Santa shortage this year. On one of my little videos I put out there. I briefly talked about the Santa shortage. We'll be talking about the Santa shortage on the podcast uh, this today or over the weekend here. Uh, I had another wonderful start to my Monday morning. Yeah, last week I sat in, uh, some would say apple juice, others uh, more cheekily would say urine uh, when I was getting on the old bus uh, yesterday. uh, Well, last week, but I had another situation. On a Monday morning. Perfect start to a Monday morning. We have more rubbish poker, either coming today or tomorrow on the podcast. Uh, also, has uh, COVID ruined brothels? Something that I'm suddenly started thinking about. I, I don't know if it was like in the middle of the night I suddenly was starting thinking about this. But also, um, have you had... I know it's a cold brew at Starbucks, but the Irish cream brew. Now, I have a revelation about the Irish cream brew. And is a good revelation. It, 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 I think this is something that you should try over the holiday period. Also, uh, we will be looking into the unexpected ponytail. Yes, the unexpected ponytail. Why do people not use their proper voices anymore? I've been emasculated again. Uh, in search of the Christmas sandwich, the moodiest bus driver ever. And green chili chicken soup. Um, also, is it possible to find a big enough bed for me? Uh, these are some of the things that we may or may not be talking about on the podcast today and uh we have some trump or trombone coming along the way where we look at some of those heinous headline crimes of the week and uh, decide if it's gonna be a raspy trump or uh, or a, maybe a fizzily out type of uh, type of trombone but you know i'm revitalized i'm ready for action uh i've had my sip of tea and all is well in the western world Welcome into my podcast shack here at Chappie Towers. It's nice and warming. I imagine a beautifully put together Christmas tree. A fire blazing. Really getting into the mood of the season. I think I need to relocate me and this show to a cabin up in the mountains. I mean, I'm basically living this sort of hermitude life uh, at the moment where (laughs) I don't see many people. Because of, uh, you probably think this is the perfect job for you. You're talking to nobody into a microphone. No, no, no. I mean, it's ravaging here in, in Colorado, the whole COVID thing again. So I think a nice little trip to the cabin. I, I, I see a beautifully stacked set of logs. Similar to my my father used to have. I mean, nobody used to be able to touch the logs because they might come tumbling down in a Jenga like fashion. But um, but yeah, I I that's what I need. I think I need the podcast to have that big shelf with Christmas decorations on. Don't know if I'm going to do the horns on the side. That's a little bit too uh, Wild West for my taste. But you know, maybe. Uh, Lots of fluffy banquets here, and I see the snow cascading outside. Still no—it's still no. I think it's been 211 days since we had snow here in Colorado. So, I mean, we do need a little bit of snow here. But I think that could be my getaway. I know the Queen goes to Sandringham for several months from December. Maybe I could go up to a log cabin somewhere and just uh, relax, recuperate, record some of these shows. And I think it would be a good diet because you—if you were so far away from supermarkets, you couldn't, you know, I couldn't get another holiday selection of lint balls. That might—that might rescue me until the uh, until the new year. But I've, I've been talking to my dear friend Uncle Jim, and um, I tell you, one of the most nerdiest conversations first thing in the morning for two—you know—two morning folks, two morning chaps here. And uh, yeah, first thing he said to me. Uh, James Bond talk. Have to say, the Living Daylights is an excellent film. Dalton's Bond is growing on me greatly, old boy. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of, not the biggest fan of, uh, not a, the biggest fan of uh, Timothy Dalton. I put Piers Brosnan above him, and I know that's a little bit, a little bit controversial. Uh, and I said, you know, Brozzy is well above him in my opinion, in my estimation. And Uncle James, oh dear, oh dear, lucky I did see this before bed, old boy. I would have had nightmares. So Dalton's as dry as a Kalahari old boy. You get much more fun with Brosnan. And uh, and you know so we 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 put that tail to bed so to speak. And then um, you know have you got roasting duties? here? What have you got planned for Thanksgiving this year? And I said I might go vegan, which caused would cause great amusement about anybody I know. And he said, well I thought you're. Piers Brosnan Brozzy comment would be the worst thing you said all day but now this all I can assume is severe altitude poisoning why thank you Uncle Jim yeah I don't know if I could do the nut roast I could do lots of roasted vegetables I think but I don't think I could do I don't think I could do the nut roast I don't know it's a little bit too nutty seems very dry as well. You talk about turkey being a dry old bird, but I think like a nut roast would be incredibly dry. You'd need a good meaty gravy to, uh, to, possibly, uh, to possibly rescue it. But I did want to say, though, you know, I'm well aware and very happy in terms of the Yorkshire Pudding Society of America, myself being... The, uh, the most dearest of founders here. I'm one of the founding fathers here. You know, I, I, not that I came over on the Mayflower or anything like that, but I, I am one of the founding fathers of the Yorkshire Pudding Society of America. And many uh, people have told me their enjoyment of the Yorkshire pudding. I've brought the Yorkshire pudding to many families, but this week, I'm afraid, we have to oust some interlopers who have decided to put, dare I say, maple syrup on the Yorkshire pudding, on the humble Yorkshire pudding. Now, first of all, you use the Yorkshire pudding to mop up a bunch of gravy. You do not put syrup on the Yorkshire pudding. I mean, it makes me so emotional, baby, so emotional. And then I thought that was bad enough. I basically, you know, I've had... Yorkshire pudding therapy for about a year here I thought that the syrup was enough that's as painful as it could be I mean that is like roast dinner shrapnel basically hitting me and wounding me when you're deciding to put syrup on the Yorkshire pudding but even worse I heard the other day that a certain lovely young lady was deciding to put blueberries in Yorkshire pudding. I tell you, this. a fascinating article in the London Times this week. Janice Turner, cyclists versus dog owners. Who's the most selfish? So uh, Janice is talking about a case while psyching over acting common David Crane, uh, in the UK, forced a break sharply when a dog called Felix pursued a ball thrown by his owner Karina Reed across the path. Crane was uh, capitulated over the handlebars, suffering a brain injury left him with headaches, memory loss, unable to cycle or drive. In a hearing in the UK, Crane, a publisher had won 50,000 in damages from Reed, a banker, but in granting a leave to appeal, Judge Sackerson said, I'd imagine... We all know that cyclists, whether on path, road or common, have a sense of absolute entitlement to do whatever they want to do. And we all know that dog owners have, apparently, a similar sense of entitlement to do exactly what they want to do, irrespective of anybody else. It's quite a conundrum. Indeed, Janice says, dog owners or cyclists who are most selfish in public spaces, is a puzzle to tax Solomon and their it's right that Judge Sagerson passed over to somebody over many years has made it her own special field, Judge Janice. So Judge Janice says, Ladies and gentlemen, of the jury first consider the case in question. Fact one, Mr. Crane was cycling on common land where bylaws state no person shall, without reasonable excuse, ride a cycle. Fact two, Miss Reed was lobbying a ball for an unleashed cocker spaniel close to a public footpath. Neither fact will surprise many students. Uh, Of middle-class manners. To the broader conundrum first let's acknowledge that both the cyclists and the dog owners have proliferated during lockdown and rather as Chinese roads are terrifying because they're crammed with new drivers Britain has filled with wobbly cyclists and novice dog wranglers therefore more crane clashes will definitely ensue. Since dog licenses were abolished in 1987 it is hard to evaluate true canine numbers beyond pet food manufacturers. Associated figures suggest 3.2 million people bought pandemic pets, but every London park is a Serengeti for herds of identical labradoodles with human names ignored by owners sipping from thermal cups, pretending to be too engrossed in a true crime podcast to ever see pop your Bruno razor tail to unload. Many owners with their one dog has brought Another to keep her company. On pavements, owners attach dogs to extendable leads so their pets are free while passers step aside or trip. They dangle poo bags from forest trees and demand fireworks uh, be banned, which humans have lit in celebration in 2,000 years because Jack Russell hates the bangs. So in Janice's Albro, where most resorts are barred from, uh, dogs are barred from beaches from May to September, they uh, see owners who feel this edict doesn't apply to their whippecockadoo who is special, virtually humid, is upright. Owners capering ID and thus must be allowed to lay mines for parents who spend hours picking poop out of tiny trainers with a stick. Cyclists too have proliferated with many back on bikes after long interludes if your driver impatiently stuck behind a slow hesitant woman who refuses to ride too close to park cars in case of carelessly open doors knocks her under the van people who cycle like danes just to get about to show off or buy wooden child trailers to keep the four by fours off the school run are absolutely blameless of course the trouble is when male entitlement and self-righteousness meet in rafa clad bearded bros who think their most selfish acts are justified because cars are bad, even riding on payments to avoid queues or bombing around in parks with with graphite monsters, uh, heedless of strollers, oldsters, and also trying for their personal best on their Strava. In lockdown, there was cycling land grab with council shutting streets without consultation for many roads are safer but the old and disabled have seen the horizons narrow instead of sympathizing two-wheel fundamentalists but tell that to 80 year olds they won't be satisfied until a wood planter blocks both ends of the street and only way to reach hospital is by air ambulance so in summary we have the dog walkers versus the cyclists ladies and gentlemen of the jury have we weighed the evidence? I must concur. The self-involved dog owner and the get out of my way cyclists deserve each other. But let me just say this. I'm taking Janice's, Judge Janice's points here. Everything that she's saying about the selfishness of, indeed, the dog owner. And of course, the selfishness of the cyclists. But everybody can move to the side and get onto the grass. Even bikes have wheels and bikes will do just fine on grass. So for everybody's stocking this year, I have a stocking stuffer, a stocking filler for you. An idea that will probably result in sort of mass manufacturing here at Chappy Towers. I think it could be what you could see as a cottage industry, not a cottager industry, but a cottage industry. And this is the, the whole arena of edible underwear. Yep, edible underwear. Now, I've decided that we could start rolling out wafer-thin, uh, you know, various garments for men and women that are edible. You know, providing on your various preference. And uh, the underwear would be made basically... Out of uh, high quality uh, Colorado marijuana leaves. Yeah. So I don't know how you would like. I see it like rolling out like monks used to do with gold leaf for Bibles. But rolling out these marijuana leaves into a shape of a, a thong or a G string. Or tighty whities. Or granny knickers. Or whatever you want basically. Whatever your preference is. So I think the edible marijuana underwear could probably be the hit of the season. The, um, the, the problem is, I mean, if you make them a little bit gummy, you know, like, like the, the traditional style sort of edibles, then they might get a little bit sticky. And I don't think sticky's good necessarily when it comes to underwear. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if uh, the leaves would perish under the stickiness of a sort of gumminess. A gummy type of edible underwear. I, I just don't know. Haven't done my research on this yet. Um, but, uh, I mean, you could. I think people would like wolf down this whole idea here. The thing is, though, if you're sort of in the boudoir with the fire blazing and the passion thermometer is high, then... Um, you know, if you, if you eat too much of the underwear, if the underwear is a bit too bulky, so if you've got like a granny star where there's a lot of bulk in the underwear. Now, if you eat a little bit too much, uh, you'll probably be good for nothing. I mean, you'll probably pass out on your back and there would be no fun and games or shenanigans that particular night. So I'm thinking the more minimal the underwear, you know, almost like uh, something that really doesn't cover very much, Or possibly uh, the end of a sock (laughs) for the gentleman. Could be the way forward. Because, um, I mean, too much of a good thing wouldn't lead to too much of a good thing. But anyway, we'll try this little cottage industry out here at Chappie Towers. We'll start uh, figuring out the best styles uh, for the season. And let's hope we can get them in the stockings or with stockings for Christmas. I haven't had the best Monday mornings recently. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I did sit in a pile of urine and it took me forever to dry my buttock cheeks the other, the other week. Uh, but so Maggie was doing her new trick, Maggie the corgi was doing her new trick where she's pulled an old old duvet through the bars of her crate And she likes pulling it, and it crashes against the wall about 3 or 4 in the morning. So I went outside. I think, you know, I'm going to have to let her out onto the Chappie Tower's balcony so she can do her morning stretches, Uh, which I did. Let her out. And then I stepped in a pile of dog dog vomit that was basically pure dog meat that Paul Georgia Border Collie had... um, Yeah, it's got something to get rid of in the middle of the night and I didn't see it there so yeah dog vomit uh, basically uh, pieces of meat crushed between the toes at 4 o'clock in the morning isn't the greatest start to the day I mean the cock won't crow at all that day when you have old dog meat crushed between the toes I mean it's been one of those sort of weeks you know previously I'd uh, picked up uh, some dog poop and um, got my finger stung through some sort of stinging nettle uh, as I picked up the poop. So not only was I doing the worst job in the world, but then I got my finger stung as well. Yeah, yeah, that really is a double whammy of all double whammies. But yeah, the, 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 the oozy feeling of anything dog related, dog excrement, anything from a dog or any animal between the toes is not a good feeling. I mean, sand on a beach in the Bahamas, squishing between the toes with the beautiful Caribbean Sea, you know, cascading in over the toes. Now that's one thing, but the whole uh, dog vomit situation, yeah, that's really not going to kick Monday off in a very fine fashion. So our good friends at Very British Problems Official give us the small anxieties of daily life being a British person. And this is uh, veg boxes this week. So, number one, quickly discovering that it's impossible to unpack an item from a veg box without saying its name out loud. Two, feeling the urge to make a soup after spotting a single loose carrot, necessitating a trip to the supermarket to pick up 10 more carrots. Number three, being quietly confident that your Instagram followers will just be impressed as you are by a gigantic onion. Number four, spotting a bunch of bananas and reacting if you've on wartime rations and you've only ever seen them in books. Number five, having grand plans for your solitary enormous leek, then turning it into a dish of boiled leek slices a week later. Opting for a very posh artisan veg box, meaning that you have, haven't have got the foggy idea of half the luridly colorful and exotically shaped items that are in it number seven googling cauliflower recipes as if there's a slightest chance you're going to do cauliflower cheese again uh, also knowing for a fact that there's not a single person in the world who's got a veg box and has kept the fact to themselves number nine realizing that your life may have lacked excitement recently as you become vocally thrilled by the shock inclusion of a red pepper number 10, suspecting that the whole veg box thing may simply be an expensive way of purchasing mostly potatoes. We have a kangaroo managed to get stuck on top of a suburban roof in Australia and uh, hopped around on the slope surface, unable to get down. Shock locals spotted the uh, marsupial on top of the uh, family home in Mount Isa in Northwest Queensland. Rescuers are hesitant to respond initially because they thought it was a prank as animals are getting uh, on roofs uh, and it's a defied belief we thought it was a hoax but when we got the call sure enough when we showed up it was on the roof said Patrick senior a senior firefighter we all went up in our harnesses and rescue equipment but as soon as we got up there he went off the roof and jumped down onto some shrubs Yeah. So Paula Boone and Sue Carson, who run the local animal rescue, poor and Claws, were visiting a house in the street and noticed a strange sight. Uh, Some children spotted it first and wondered what they were laughing at. Rescuers needed to coax the marsupial down carefully to ensure he didn't injure himself in a haphazard escape attempt. It was hot yesterday, so we got concerned that he was dehydrated. We have a limited wildlife uh, carers here and a shortage of vets and we didn't want him hopping on the road as it was fairly busy a few phone calls later to find helpers and two fire brigade guys got up onto the roof and slowly encouraged the row back off and uh, it wasn't as high as he thought he was and he hopped off okay mr buck said the fire brigade could add kangaroos to its list of animal rescues alongside cats dogs and birds He said locals were still scratching their heads, trying to work out how the unlikely climber made it up all the way onto the roof of the Duchess Road home. He said, I didn't know how it got on the roof. It's still a mystery. It was a great galah. So anyway, we have a kangaroo stuck on the roof in Australia. Well, it's a good job he wasn't up on the roof texting pictures of his private parts to female ruse don't be a wallaby so even santa claus father christmas is suffering supply chain problems this year he may be checking his list and checking it twice finding out who is naughty or nice but santa claus might not be coming to town this year amid a nationwide shortage of the christmas icon Last year, Santa's throughout the country were losing their gigs. It's the first holiday season of the COVID pandemic, and Santa visits were held mostly online. But with the vaccines now available and national COVID rates much lower than last holiday season, many people are wanting to go back to the traditional visits with Santa. Except this year, Santa's are much harder to come by. Everybody's wanting to go back to traditions. Mitch Allen, founder of HireSanta.com, which is a nationwide database of thousands of Santa Claus which can be booked for events, uh, he told USA Today. Allen described people feeling pent up about wanting to go all out for Christmas this year to make up for last year. So shopping malls, companies and even families are trying to get Santa to show up. But there's a concern about going back to these old traditions. Allen said over the past year around 700 Santas passed away around 300 to 500 of them due to COVID-19. Santas are typically older, which can place them in a higher risk of dealing with severe complications of the virus. That may be why some don't want to don the iconic red suit out in public and interact with hundreds of people at once. Stuart Deacon, 26-year-old Santa in the Houston area, said that one thing that worries him is making sure people, especially children, are clean when they visit him. A number of his brothers and sisters have passed away due to COVID-19 uh, when he's not Santa, Deacon works at the COVID-19 testing centre at the local school district. If Santa's were choosing to be in person, accept precautions such as social distancing so children are more likely and still won't be able to sit on Santa's lap. It would be the worst thing in the world for a Santa Claus performer to be a super spreader. Another factor is determined by increasing far to uh, late in the year. Mitch said that people are trying to book around early November being a good time frame but actually he, he, he begins bookings in January so if people were planning on having Santas for their event in December weekends they're mostly out of luck as he said there are thousands of holiday events that have yet to book a Santa we're trying to asking our clients to for some flexibility about dates and times Alan and Deacon aren't the only ones having to tell people they may not see Santa this year as other booking companies have reached out for help in trying to, to uh, find available Santas. Susan Mesco, founder of the Professional Claus School in Denver, told the Wall Street Journal that in her 40 years of booking Santas, she's never experienced a year like this one. It's not like Santas are, uh, are needed either. Alan mentioned that there is a demand for Mrs. Claus, elves, and just about every other Christmas-related character. If people are interested in becoming a Santa but unsure how to fit the character old navy is hosting a virtual santa boot camp on november the 19th for anybody wanting to play the role to make the figure more representative of modern day culture old navy is encouraging people from all backgrounds in uh, cultural heritages ethnicities to attend the uh, event if people feel like they're ready to go down the chimney of holiday spirit allen said he's looking for you after all santa can make a few thousand dollars working from now until the end of December. If you've got a real beard, a real belly, you're really jolly, and you've got in that Christmas spirit, that's what they're hunting for. Deacon also wants to remember that the amount of stress and exhaustion of Santa might be due to the hectic schedule. We just want to make sure if you uh, want us a part of your Christmas celebrations, we're doing our part. We know how important it is to spread holiday cheer. I think, okay, so you've got a Santa boot camp. Let's try some Santa speed dating. So you can try out your Santas. Basically, how pudgy is your Santa? I mean, if your Santa's got a firm knee, nobody wants to sit on a firm bony knee, do they? You want a little bit of give in that leg, a little bit of pudge on the leg here, uh, just uh, you know, just to make it comfortable when you're sitting on the knee. Now, also, how good how good are you at going up and down chimneys? You know, do you, is there a possibility that you might get stuck? Would you need some sort of lubrication so you would be able to get up and down the chimneys? And also, how alcoholic are you? Can you handle thousands and thousands of glasses of sherry? I know, here's the thing. I know in the US, people give them a glass of milk and a cookie. But Santa, it has been there's been studies on it. Santa prefers mince pies and a glass of sherry to a glass of milk. Maybe some alcoholic eggnog. There you go. But I think we need to do our Santa sort of speed dating so we can pick out our Santas. I may audition to be Santa this year. I mean, I guess you could be a virtual Santa. That's another idea. You could be the Santa on the end of Zoom. That may work as well this year. But I don't know. We'll have to see. But you could have, you know, the ho-ho yes and the ho-ho no. Ho 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 no trumpet Trombone. Okay, so a woman left people in Stitches after discovery that Costa coffee cups had appeared to feature a rather rude detail. Claire Fletcher had been watching the bake-off, uh, the British Bake Off, with her partner Trevor Brown when they paused the show on a Costa advert while they're getting a drink. The pair were left in stitches after noticing the coffee chain's Christmas gingerbread cup at a rather awkward angle. It made the sweet treats arms look like a penis. Even ruder, uh, Claw claims that the Costa logo looks even more vulgar as it looks like the gingerbread man is enjoying himself doing an explicit act. I'd Be most definitely put off with that creamy head on top of my coffee. And this morning, the UK TV morning show viewed her up in arms over a chef's controversial mince pie and cheese recipe. Chef Juliette Sear appeared on this morning to share a number of recipes that would be good to freeze ahead of this year's festivities. After serving up the savoury treats, Josie said, We spoke earlier, and uh, you said about adding cheese. You can have it with about, ev- about everything. Prepare to be blown away. I make a cheese sandwich so the nice clonk of Lancashire cheese uh, and because of the filling it's like chutney, she said as she cut half a mince pie in half and placed a couple of slices of cheese in the middle. I mean what's next? Christmas dinner and a soup? <laughs> And re-watching a film that you love when you're a kid can be a hilarious experience as an adult, especially when you realize just how many jokes you missed out on. When you've reached adulthood and discovered all the things that weren't allowed to know as a child, it's hard to believe that some of the, uh, some of the jokes you missed and some of the innuendo-laden jokes. But creators of films uh, for children and TV shows do a good job of making sure the parent is also entertained when having to watch something Uh, made for a child. But people were left in stitches after discovering one of the moments in a hit Disney film that escaped many of them when we watched it the first time around. The 2013 blockbuster uh, follows sisters Anna and Elsa and also sees the former becoming engaged to Princess Hans or Prince Hans. But what younger viewers have probably missed is about the foot-sized joke about the prince. As Anna and Iceman Kristoff. A journey through the frozen forest in a bid to find Elsa, he quizzes the princess on how she actually knows about her future husband. She ventures that his best mate's name is possibly John and his favourite uh, food is sandwiches with his eye colour is dreamy. Kristoff then cheekily asks what his f- foot size is and she blithely replies, foot size doesn't matter. I mean another question, how about Olaf's big carrot nose? I think we should all let it go. Some of the favourite things i see in the week. This was on Twitter, Richard Coles, Reverend Richard Coles. The Feast of St. Hilda of Whitby credited... With turning the east riding snakes into stone. Locals later carved faces on Ammonites and sold them to Taurus. The Ammonite commonly found around Whitby is called the Hildochorus in her honor. And here's something that I, I thought I knew, but I obviously didn't uh, from Weird History. George Washington's teeth were made out of elephant ivory and walrus tusks. I thought they were made out of driftwood. And upon the release of Snoop Dogg's new album, at the age of 60, Snoop Dogg will be 420 years old in dog years. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. It's been uh, rather marvellous having you here. So if you like to just get the audio version of Chappie uh, rabbiting on then you can listen to it on Apple Music, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Music, across all of the different platforms. And that's just me, uninterrupted, just basically going off on one for about an hour. If, though, you like a musical edition, there's a Butler Emporium musical playlist edition on Spotify uh, pl- uh, podcasts that are rather good. This week we have The Pretenders, we have Deacon Blue We have Katie Mellower, Doja Cat, Porter's Head, uh, Down Under. Uh, We have some Bruce Springsteen, some Prince, some Madonna, some Travis, some Snoop Dogg. Lots and lots of different music, if you like your music scattered amongst the the usual nonsense. So, I hope uh, you're getting ready and prepared for Thanksgiving. Now, I did hear... As I stirred a gravy the other day, the sound of keep calming cauliflower cheese emanating from the gravy granules. So you can really hear the podcast absolutely, uh, absolutely everywhere. But coming up, we do have a Thanksgiving poem. Ever since I can remember on the thaw Thursday of November, long before the crack of dawn, early on that frosty morn, flurries and leaves and wispy winds as a mother's long day begins, placing pumpkins beside the front door, setting the table for twenty or more inside her cozy kitchen she goes creating traditions as only she knows a muffled clanging in our heads as we still slumber in our beds and then as if by some magical spell spicy sweet scents begin to dispel aromas in the atmosphere rise waking our senses and opening our eyes cinnamon saffron nutmeg and sage stuffing the turkey she's setting the stage on the stovetop simmering away delicious side dishes are at play Deep dish apple and pumpkin pie rest on the windowsill nearby. Family and friends begin to arrive, some a bit tired from the drive. Children running in and out, happy laughter all about. The smell of turkey sweeping the air. Thanksgiving time is finally here. Out of the oven, all golden brown, her turkey is our table crown. Dad, with his big wide grin, slices the turkey nice and thin. Smiling with her dimples so sweet she knows Thanksgiving is complete. Now we give thanks to the Lord above for this bountiful blessing made with love. Many Novembers have come and gone, we try to carry her memories on. But the one thing can never replace is Mum's sweet smiling dimpled face. I will be back again tomorrow where one of the topics we talk about is rescuing gloopy mashed potatoes. Until then, have a lovely Friday. Cheerio.